All right. Hello again, Australians. Welcome to the new Stand Up Australia podcast, Stand Up Sits Down With, a contrarian conversation rebutting the mainstream narrative. Each week we discuss and deconstruct the most relevant news stories in Australia and around the world that you may have missed during the past week, and we separate fact from fiction so you can better make better decisions about which way you want to go politically and personally. So today on the show, we're going to be discussing digital ID considered by the Australian government after the Optus breach. We never let a good crisis go to waste, do we? Number two, we're going to go COVID ISO rules are scrapped, leaving medical experts angry. The TGA says Pfizer vaccine jab is now available to those who, do, who need it most, babies six months and older. And then finally, housing affordability made worse by government intervention. Today, once again, we are sitting down with the fearless leader of the Australian Federation Party, Peter Harris. Now, yeah, I understand you're on the road at the moment, aren't you? We are. We are. The beach is behind me and um, enjoying a little bit of warmer weather, although there's been plenty of rain as we're moving up through New South Wales. So um, um, I hear it's going to all come back again tomorrow, the rain. So uh, <laughs> take advantage of being outside as much as we can right now. Hopefully not as much as uh, last time New South Wales had a bit of rain, eh? Mm, mm. Well, we'll see. We, 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 we pick our moments to travel. <laughs> uh, we might be here for a bit longer because we've got brake issues with the car, so uh, uh, we'll find out what's going to happen with that by tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, you and everybody else I know at the moment, uh, including ourselves, are having uh, issues with their cars at the moment. Um, had a friend come to visit me in the cafe today and she said, uh, about 10 minutes before she was about to be there. I can't get there because my car broke down. So, Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're, we're on to our third set of breaks in uh, as many weeks and um, um, they're trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. So we'll hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, have it all sorted out so we can get back on the road properly. But we've had a pretty good run, you know, probably 80,000 kilometres around the country without a hiccup. And um, this is our first real problem. So well, that's all right then. You know, so in perspective. Okay. Yeah, yep. they service the car, and then everything went wrong with it after that. So <laughs> <laughs> must be a tack to get you back, eh? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So what's going on at the moment at the Ausfeds? Can imagine with the Vic election coming up, you guys will be pretty busy. Yeah, look, I, the, the team in in uh, Victoria is really driving that campaign. Um, uh, I've taken a bit of time um, off um, and uh, I'm obviously in contact with uh, Dr. Christopher Neal, who's the state chairman. Um, and what they're wanting to do is, you know, work with groups that have got momentum and, uh, and, and just get the job done. And the job that needs to be done in Victoria is um, to remove the corrupt Victorian Labor Party. Um, from government and personally I think that's unlikely um, because the Liberals are so woke and weak that they um, cannot offer a serious alternative so um, I don't expect to see Labor removed from power um, but we can all work collectively together to remove Daniel Andrews from as the leader of the party um, so you know, there's there's a lot of discussions going on, and uh, and 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 um, different alliances forming up to get that job done. Um, 
And, and once again, you know, we're in a situation where people are desperate for change, but we need credible alternatives. Yeah. And there's not yet, in my mind, a credible alternative on the ground in Victoria. Um, and this takes years. All this stuff takes years to build um, depth into communities. That's why we're running up, you know, we'll be announcing the stand-up uh, community action networks and we'll be... Um, you know, pulling a lot of things together so that people can build into their local communities. They can run, you know, a stand-up community action network group in their home every fortnight. Uh, there'll be a series of agendas and programs that they'll be able to activate in their local communities and um, meet people where they're at and um, and address their real needs. Um, so I think I think that you know the, the Victorian election, like the South Australian election. Um, really needs some thought, but it needs some really long-term building into the community, connecting with the community, getting people to realise that these people um, are ultimately destroying our nation, um, mm. destroying the wealth of our country. And they're in a position where they are completely removing the autonomy and freedom of the people and you know, there's so many things that are happening on a daily basis that every single thing is eroding the well-being of the people. And these politicians and, and governments exist and, you know, parties exist, um, um, parliaments exist for the benefit of the people, not the benefit of corporates, not for the benefit of globalists, not for the benefit of politicians. The politicians are meant to represent people. Um so, you know, a part of this podcast is, you know, informing and um, empowering and activating people so they can make a difference in their communities. Yep, yep. Like you said, not, not only uh, do they represent the people, but they work for the people because we pay their yeah, wage. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. yep. Um, so, yeah, so I think um, uh, the Victorian election is... Uh, it, I, you know, I say to people, don't build your hopes that you're going to get rid of Labor, but you can get rid of Daniel Andrews. And, and you know, we're working as hard as we can as a party to make that a reality um, and trying to activate as many networks and, and, and working with groups that, you know, have got some momentum out there as well as our own people to try and make things change. Is there any murmurings in the Labor government about uh, the maybe a, a wish to replace Daniel Andrews as leader, or oh, the, uh, the view within the, I can tell you directly the view on the Labor Party in um, Victoria is that um, you know a lot of people don't like Daniel Andrews, um, mm. but a lot of people don't also like his replacement Jacinda, um, and um, and you've got to be careful what you wish for. Um, the view is that he'll go 12 months after the election, he'll retire um, and hand over to, to Jacinda. And, um, and then, you know, you, you've got another set of uh, issues to deal with. But when you're part of a machine um, that has an agenda and is influenced by third parties, the individual at the end of the day is the administer, administrator of those initiatives. Um, as opposed to being the initiator. And, uh, and I think that, um, you know, you're not going to th see things change with different leaders. You, you've, got to, you've actually got to change the system. You've got to change the premise of our political system to, to actually get real change. Yep, yep.
So, um, but but they all perceive that the minor parties are going to continue to grow and votes. I mean, I've said this, I think, on our first podcast that we did together, that, you know, 35, nearly 35% of people did not vote for Labor or Liberal. Um, and as a consequence of that, um, that's a very large number of people saying no to the existing process and system. Um, and, you know, everyone's expecting that to grow. No one's expecting Anthony Albanese or anyone at a political leadership level right now to make um, one iota of difference to the attitude of the people. So, you know, uh, change is, is afoot. It's, it's there staring us in the face. And um, whoever, whoever really stands up and, and offers Australia a really clear alternative is, is going to be the beneficiary. Um, but that alternative must include and must be all about the people and giving the people their voice back and, and, and allowing people choice in every dimension of their worlds. Yeah, well, look, um, <laughs> it's not going to stop them from making one last sort of like power grab, That's though, right. which is a, a great segue into our first story of the day, mm. which is from The Guardian uh, and where we cover the government considers centralising digital ID verification on MyGov in wake of the Optus breach. Now, this was always going to happen, wasn't it? We yeah. have we had the COVID uh, check-in system where people got used to the government peering into their lives and now we have this crisis, which is not really a crisis, it's a hack, it happens all the time. But they're using this now to say, oh, well, you know, we can't trust private companies. We have to get the Australian public to give us all their information. Yeah, well, it's uh, same old, same old. Um, government uh, should have um, less influence in people's lives, uh, not more, not greater influence. Um, and um, digital ID, um, digital um, databases, all of these elements are going to, it's going to be a fact of life. They're going to be perpetually hacked as we go forward and it's going to get tougher and tougher to protect our private information. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, if you, you know, the, the big voice missing from this conversation is the people, once again. Um, if you, if you um, actually asked every Australian and polled every Australian of whether they want the government to hold more of their digital data and have a digital ID system, what do you reckon the answer is going to be? The answer is going mm. to be no. I, I want to live my life and I want to live it free of government. And I think that more and more in every dimension, um, whether it comes to our banking deposits, whether it's, you know, um, uh, uh, buying a house, whether it's stamp duty, we want less interference from government. We don't want more. Um, and so what the people of Australia should be doing with this issue is screaming from the rooftops that we don't want the government to have greater control. We don't want them to have more data and information on us for their own benefit. Everything they do must be for the benefit of the people. Um, and if hacks and problems are occurring, people... Um, shouldn't be mothered, they should be taught how to protect their own data and how to protect their own identity. That's where the dollars and the focus should be on how we should be able to safeguard ourselves from unscrupulous behaviour. And corporate should be held accountable to compensating people when their data or when their um, circumstances are breached. 
You know, it's, it's, it's a big priority that companies who trade for a profit, who are there for commercial gain, if they can't be responsible enough to protect the data of the people that use their services, maybe they shouldn't have a telecommunications license. Hmm. Yeah. Because I, I can guarantee once you put some of those onerous um, conditions on a corporate that says if, if, if you have more breaches of people's private data, um, uh, you know, if you have one breach or two or three and there's a, there's a strike and you're out um, because uh, it's not acceptable for them to be careless with, um, with the data of their customers. No, but in, in the end, though, do we need government to make those decisions? No. Because No, we don't. Because we, right now, if you're a, a new customer, are you going to go to Optus? Well, yeah, are you going to go to Telstra? And, and therefore, where else do you go? Because then you can go to any of the other um, uh, affiliates, if you want to call them, any of the other um, operators, and they all operate off Telstra, Optus, Optus or Vodafone. <laughs> So we only have three choices in this country. So you dismiss Optus and Telstra, and you can guarantee Vodafone are getting hacked every day. Um, but you know that maybe that's going to be the next headline. Um, so and banks are getting hacked every day. So to me, I don't need the government to protect my digital identity. I need companies that I interact with. So when I go online and make a decision to interact with a company, I'm making a decision to trust that company. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, we just were talking about breaks earlier. Um, and, um, and we've had our, had our car service and we've had a brake failure. And we've learned that the company that um, um, we went back to the manufacturer's um, authorized repairer to uh, fix, fix the brakes and deal with the issue. And we find out they don't put genuine parts on our car. And we've had another failure. So, so we, it comes back to us, therefore, of making a decision of, do we ever trust this company again? Do yeah. we ever trust this brand again? And this is, this is the nature of choice that we talk about. Um, we, we can go wherever we want. We, we might say, look, I need to make phone calls so that I, I, I understand there's a level of risk, um, but we don't collectively get together and tell the telcos, well, this is, this is our um, a value statement on how we want you to treat us um, before we, we give you all these billions of dollars um, and, and give you access to our private data. And mm. that can go on for everything. But, but that's why the voice of the people has to stand up, not the government orchestrating and standing over a digital ID system like we're here to protect you. But, you know, what, what happened to personal responsibility and, and and, and holding companies accountable um, for their behaviour and yeah, government and, as well. And when the digital ID gets hacked eventually, Which there's all the data in one little spot. Yeah. Very convenient. The, the more you centralise it, the more endangered you become. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, my view is if Australians are even remotely awake, they'll reject this. Um, digital ID, but we, but but we've also got to actively work against it, and 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 get people into the mindset that look, it's our job to protect our data, um, and 
it's a bank's job to treat our data um, with the utmost security and privacy, bank, telco, whatever it might be. And if you can't, then maybe we don't want to transact with you. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it, it, I've noticed we're Optus customers. Um, so we've noticed increased levels of, um, of um, um, rubbish coming through on our phones. Um, and uh, we're deleting a whole lot more stuff um, than we have in the past. So we'll probably vote with our feet, but where do we go? You know, we were with Vodafone, but you can't talk in the middle of the country. Um, yeah. Then you go to Telstra and it's really the same. Yeah, it is a bit of a like a monopoly, really. I mean, it's a triopoly, if that's a, a word. Yeah, <laughs> and and maybe what government have got to do is deregulate it and stop trying to get you know billions and trillions of dollars from a telecommunications licenses and allow you know a decentralized system where there's more than three players. Um, and and whilst we're at it, making sure that there are plenty of public health studies that look at the impact of telecommunications on populations. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Peter, like I work in hospitality um, and there's no regulation in hospitality. There's a thousand businesses in your area and the weakest die and the strongest survive. And yeah. that's the way it's been. That's the way it's, it'll always be that way, you know, and it, it forces you to work and be the best that you can be. And there's no, there's really no um, other way of doing it. So... Why is it's not a ruthless that, that not game. the way with business, like big business? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a ruthless game. Um, it, it certainly you is. Know, why not have a three-strike warning on Optus? You do this again, you lose, your, you lose your license. We'll auction it off to someone else. Yeah. See if they can do a better job. Um, and, you know, I, I know there's a whole lot of commercial decisions in that process and implications and consequences but let's get real. Let's let's put the blame where it should be. Let's not then impose further penalties and restrictions on the people because Optus can't manage our data. Mm. You know? Yeah. I, I don't trust the government with my data. Why would I trust Optus, really? I just want to make phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard, is it? <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, we're well, go, going into another um, topic of big daddy government having a little bit too much power over us is mm. COVID isolation. Mm -hmm. So mandatory isolation periods are scrapped from October yep. 14th, which um, was about two weeks ago now, three weeks ago. Yeah. So emergency response finished, says National Cabinet, but this has pissed off a few health experts uh, from the AMA. Well, it would. They look like idiots. You know, they were wrong. Um, all the measures that they put in place, and there's plenty of evidence around the world that says they were wrong. They were wrong. Um, and, and suddenly um, the government are getting into alignment with um, the view that this isn't as deadly as everyone said it was going to be. Mm. Um, after they've destroyed our economy, after they've destroyed people's livelihoods, after they've destroyed people's businesses, um, after so much. And... Um, and uh, I really, you know, I move in, in circles where, you know, with Dr. Christopher Neal and um, a whole lot of other very, very well-credentialed professors and doctors who have been calling this for a very long time. And I really don't give um, a toss about what the embarrassed doctors at the AMA say. 
because um, they've done nothing to protect the Australian people. They've gone along with a government narrative that failed to have evidence to support its positions. And even the people of Australia actually worked it out and tossed Scott Morrison's tail out of office. You know, they, they threw, him, threw him out of office, not because of just who he is, but because of what he did. And, um, and so at the end of the day, um, they've relaxed these measures because they're not popular and, um, and they don't serve their purpose anymore. And they really don't care about what the medical doctors were saying in the first place in between or now. Um, they're just going to do what they're going to do to serve their political interests. And yeah. so at the end of the day, I think that, um, you know, they should have done, they should never have actually implemented these things we're seeing you know 500 million dollar quarantine centers funded by the federal government in brisbane and victoria shut down um and so you know another billion dollars of taxpayer money spent on these facilities and people say well they'll get used for the future or for emergencies and so on well maybe but all of this you know trillions of dollars have been uh, have gone puff up in smoke um um, because of a narrative that had no evidence to, su to support it. Yeah, once again, it's just the big business like the Wagner family uh, in, in Queensland, which you're referencing there, just taking a huge, huge profit margin from a, I'm not sure if they were involved in the one that was in Brisbane, but the Toowoomba facility that you might be referencing, mm. they made millions of dollars off that, yeah. hundreds of millions. Um, you know, some people profited from all of this. And look, in some senses, you don't blame them. You know, if there's a deal on, there's a deal on. That's, that's what business tends to be. But you can bet your bottom dollar, those people were connected to politicians and connected because of their uh, giving to political parties. And so as a consequence, um, you know, they benefited from the whole thing. Um, yeah. And uh, and so, the, look, you can go down so many investigations throughout this period of what's happened to the money and what's been spent on what and uh, was there due diligence applied to appointment of contractors and projects and all sorts of things. And you would find um, elements of corruption after corruption after corruption. And Anthony Albanese, as one of his platforms, says they're going to bring in an ICAC federally to hold them account themselves accountable for their bad behaviour. And lo and behold, in the first few weeks, guess what? So just guess what hits the chopping block immediately? ICAC. You know, we're yeah. not going to look at it for the first 12 months. So you can guarantee by the end of this um, government's term, there still won't be an ICAC. Yeah. Um, and who, because... who pays for ICAC, Peter? Well, uh, the government, we do. <laughs> yeah. You know? Wow. So, so, um, so I think, you know, th there are lots of ways. You know, I think there should be a financial institution, um, People's Commission, which is funded by the banks and give, give people a recourse that have been hurt by banks because people can never afford to take on a bank. Hmm. Um, so there, there, there's all of these things. Um, and, you know, I know we're straying off the topic here, but, but in reality... Um, a lot of things are said um, to conform with a narrative that was never true. Um, and just because they're doctors doesn't mean they're intelligent. Just because yeah. they're doctors, it doesn't mean that they've um, done, the, done the hard yards and looked at the evidence themselves. They've just gone along with the narrative. Mm. Um, so, 
Um, I don't really care what they think. I mean, I've been talking to the people that have been questioning this and um, they, these people that are now upset about um, the TGA's recommendations need to, or whoever's recommendations they are, need to seriously uh, look at themselves and say, why wasn't I questioning all of this throughout this period? Because um, obviously it isn't sustainable. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you said you mentioned TGA there. Um, the TGA this week has, well, sorry, last week it was now, um, has approved the Pfizer jab at all children aged over six months old. So they approved it basically for only 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 children that are eligible that are immunocompromised but you know in saying that anybody can really get it and um that's another governing body which isn't really tied to the government although it is but it's completely funded by pharmaceutical companies hmm. so can we really trust what they say if you don't trust the government with your data, don't trust them with your kids. Pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, these people, it bewilders me how illogical all of this is. Um, and you've only got to look at the TGA themselves and look at their public assessment reports that tell us this is experimental. So you may have been prepared to take an experiment yourself because you had bought into a narrative and you thought that was going to protect you and you were prepared to take that risk but are you going to experiment with the future and the lives of your kids from a court from a corporate that has been convicted of corruption i'm not and um you know people haven't read the public assessment reports that the tga hit on their web their websites but we have and um and they tell us that this was all experimental. And the, you know, as we know, the, the only way we can get the uh, data is through WikiLeaks, mm. you know? And uh, ultimately it's all gonna come out what they did with their testing. And, uh, and at, the, at the end of the day, um, you know, we'll forget about all this and we'll, we'll in 10 years time, you know, and I'm being negative here, but in 10 years time, I hope we're not doing this, but in 10 years time, we'll be going, this sudden adult death syndrome thing has been devastating to the world. Like SIDS was devastating. Like all these other things have been devastating. There's, a, you know, a new pandemic in cancers um, and, uh, and uh, myocarditis and different things like that. Um, so, you know, there's so many unanswered questions um, and so much evidence to now say that these things are harmful to humanity. Mm. If the TGA are still saying after all of the stuff they've published, including the fact um, that a, um, a, uh, a 19 year old uh, passed away as a result of the Pfizer uh, injection from a, from a heart condition, from myocarditis, then why would you give it to your kids that are, and, and, and unwell kids, chronically unwell kids that are more vulnerable than anybody. Um, it just, it's not a logical conclusion for me. And, and everything has to be a logical conclusion for me. That's just me. But, but where's the logic in any of this? Yeah. Uh, this you know, if people say 
Um, well, just look, I look at the science. Well, okay, explain the science to me because I've actually read the scientific documents. And, um, and if, if you have as well, I don't, I don't understand why you're saying look at the science because the science tells you the truth um, in terms of the fact that it's experimental. Well, it depends if it's science or the science, Peter. That's, or their that's the science. Difference. Their yeah. science. I mean, it's science, but it's, it's their science. It's their, yeah. it's their literature, and their literature is found left wanting. And, um, and so if the stuff that they've used to peddle lies is, is found to be left wanting, then, you know, when you get to the real science, um, which is uh, deeply hidden by everybody, um, how much more will we be shocked by all these things? Well, Joseph Adipo this week, who is the Surgeon General of Florida, mm -hmm. he also one of the frontline doctors, um, has recommended against anybody under 50 to get the, the, not just the boosters, but any injection of the mRNA shots because of uh, they found 84% increase in um, cardiac problems in those people compared to people that didn't have it. And that is just the data that has been reported, which we all know, well, all, anybody in the know anyway, knows is at least 10% of the actual number. Yeah, yeah. At the, at the most, at the mm. most 10% of the actual number. So, you know, you could be looking at a 1,000% a increase. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, in New South Wales, the government are mandating mRNA vaccines for, uh, for livestock. Mm. And what are the health implications for people that consume that product? Um, and what are the studies that have been done to protect the people? Remember, government exists, representatives exist for the benefit of the people. And so we perpetually go crazy with regulation to try and control everything to the detriment of the people. It's not what we signed up for. It's not what we agreed to. And so, um, you know, we've got this situation where um, we have these agencies recommending something. And how often do we hear down the track, they recant that recommendation because they said, oh, we hadn't taken that into consideration. How much more should we be cautious when they haven't even you know, we're three years into a 12, 14, traditionally a 12, 14 year cycle to test a drug. Yeah. You know? Um, so, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, be very, very cautious with any of this stuff going forward, because I think that, you know, everyday people are questioning everything to do with these uh, injections. They've, everybody has seen uh, side effects in themselves or other people. Um, and uh, as a consequence, uh, why would you why would you for a second think that that's good for your kids? Yeah, well, in the, in the background, Atagi is secretly um, there hasn't been I haven't seen a press release about it yet, but I I got this from Alex Berenson's um, Substack, which is a great Substack if you, anybody wants to join it. Um, Itagi, there's a PDF here, which I'll put in the show notes, but it basically shows that they're not recommending booster shots for anybody um, under, well, I think it's under 50. So yeah. after your first booster shot, they're saying, unless you're severely immunocompromised, you should not have more than one booster shot. 
So they know something's going on. They can't come out and say that it's going on because they will face litigation, obviously. But they are trying to cover their bases, obviously, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. When people are saying, for them to be saying that in public documents um, means that they're not confident. Yeah. You know, like we've been sold this pup by, uh, you forget the names quickly, but by, uh, you know, by Morrison and um, um, who was the health guy, health officer or health minister? Um, <laughs> you can't remember yourself. <laughs> and I'm old. Um, the, the, uh, the uh, who, yeah, we all know who he was. Um, but we're so. No, Coatsworth. No, uh, he, no, was, no the, he um, was the he was the assistant. The health minister. What's his name? Um, he's right, right on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember his bloody name um, now. I'll think of it in a moment. But um, um, this this is what they rely on: the for, forgetting the facts. Greg um, Hunt. Uh, Greg Hunt, and yeah. uh, you know he he and Scott Morrison. It's safe, effective, and free. That's that's uh, twenty million dollars they spent to tell us all that it was perfectly safe. It was a it was it was a lie from the beginning, um, and uh, it's still a lie, and it should be prosecuted by the people against mm. the government for misleading them, because the harm caused by that one phrase um, is dramatic. Yeah, yeah, and something we've seen with uh, vaccines for years is the term safe and effective, which is not even a single. It's not even two words anymore. It is a single word: safe and effective. Yeah. It, it, they don't go without one another so it's it's just some it's propaganda to to be made up to make people feel better about something they haven't done any research about and i i'm all for great science and great medication and great health and all you know all all of those elements um and i use i use the health system i've used it this year ruby's used it this year um and uh, and we've been well looked after by people in the health system. But the reality is this, if we sit blindly and don't challenge and question, things will get out of control. And that's exactly where we are. Corporates have taken control. They they guide the narrative um, and they provide uh, the apparent data to support their position so they can make billions of dollars of profits. Um, yep. So let's, let's not let, you know, it's always about the money. It's always about, mm. you know, um, the benefit to a few. How do we safeguard against uh, corporations having influence over government? Well, there shouldn't be any corporations that can lobby the government, any ministers or representatives at all. Um, and, you know, that, that, that's actually what the public service used to be for. Um, the public service used to analyse and and question and diagnose and do all the things that are meant to happen. Um, and, uh, and then they would present their recommendations to government ministers based on the scenarios that they had deeply investigated. That's, what, that's why we're meant to have a separation of these um, pillars of government. Yeah. And the public service are always meant to investigate and do the work. But Unfortunately, the public service has been infiltrated by politics and they tend to follow the narrative that the politicians want, that the lobbyists are seeking for the politicians to follow. Um, I mean, lobbyists are there for a reason. Um, so, you know, I'd ban lobbyists. I'd just get rid of them altogether. 
and go back to a public service which is independent um, and that can make analysis of what's what's in the best interests of the people. And, uh, and government ministers are the elected members of the representatives that can then make the choices that are best for the people because the people have entrusted that decision to them. Yeah. Um, but the second they start making choices which are for the benefit of others or for the, uh, to follow a, a, a narrative which isn't in the benefit of the people, then you find yourself in a situation where, um, you know, the whole system collapses. And that's actually what's happened in Australia. It's what's happened in America. The system has collapsed and people don't have trust in government. People don't have trust in institutions. People don't have trust in big corporates because they've all been behaving badly. And incidentally, economic historians will tell you this is what happens at the end of an economic cycle when the people begin to rise up and say, I've had a gut full of all of this bad behaviour and that's where things change. Yeah. And that's always been the way and it always will be the way. Yeah, human nature really rarely changes, does it? It just cycles, right. just, uh, yeah. it just rhymes. So, yeah, it, it just seemed like an archaic system. You know, we've got lobbyists, we've got peak bodies uh, who go to the government, which in the, in the past may have been there for a good reason because we didn't have the internet or technology to be able to have a, uh, a more of sort of a or not wouldn't say a vote but just a common sort of opinion on what should be happening we'd go to those peak bodies and those government um, lobbyists and they would convey the message to the government wouldn't they but these days we don't really need them anymore so why are they there well exactly i mean and and we're not the public service is entitled to be furious with, with how this has all developed because the, the public service was always meant to be that independent body that put forward all these uh, options to government. Um, and now really we have government telling the public service what they want them to support, what they want them to do. And, um, and they appoint the public servants to ensure that that's what happens. Um, I'm not saying there was never it was never grey in the past, but it, there was there was this division of power, and um, and government ministers had to be pretty bold to break away from recommendations yeah. of uh, public servants. But that's all merged together now, so that's that's part of the um, collapse of a system um, because we haven't been diligent in holding it to account and and holding the division of power. Um, aggressively to account so politicians become all powerful yeah yeah or they become weaker because they're beholden to well they become the money. they become all powerful for the corporates <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and, and and the globalists yeah 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 it's a big problem um hopefully i don't i mean i don't hold a lot of positivity on this happening um without a complete collapse of the system like you were saying i know it has collapsed but i don't think it's collapsed completely yet um, oh well we haven't seen anything yet i mean no. um the, when the system collapses the system will collapse um yeah. and 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 as a consequence and i don't take any joy in that but most economic historians will tell you it's a, it's like a bushfire it's a necessary thing has to clean everything out, has to clean out all the debt, all the printing of money, all the lies, all the corruption, 
or all of the things that have worked against the people. And then once the bushfires cleared, there's regrowth and there's a fresh time and it's exciting and new. Um, but unfortunately, um, and you know, what most economic historians will tell you is that we progressively improve through every cycle. We, we, we progressively elevate and get a little bit better um, uh, as, as, uh, as humanity goes on. I don't yeah. know whether that's true or not. It would seem to be. Um, but this is, you know, this is um, a, a perfect example of um, an end of an economic cycle. It started at Bretton Woods. It started with the gold standard. Um, this economic system that we live in now is, um, what is it, um, 70, 80 years old. And, uh, and it's coming to its end days. Um, and um, I don't know what it gets replaced with, um, but something new is coming um, and it will be driven by the people. It won't be driven by, you know, um, the guys in Geneva. It won't be driven by the guys in the US. It'll be driven by the people of the world because the people are the ones that always stand up and say no to the elite. Yeah. And I think we need to keep it in perspective as well. You know, we... When you think about modern human history, it's it's really only, I mean, especially the good times that we've been living in, it's really only about 200 years old. That's right. And how do, how do you know, children learn? They, they fall over, they learn how to not fall over, they get up, they hurt themselves, they learn how to walk better. We're just in that stage. We're, we're like these tiny little babies walking along, learning not how to fall over. And eventually we'll get to a point where we have a better system that can look after everybody. And without the corruption, it's just a, it's trial and error. You know, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We just need to realize that sometimes things will happen um, that aren't so, don't seem so great at the time, but it's necessary for growth. And look, to, to give people hope, I mean, the, the thing I do is in, in every key element of life is I listen to really, to people whom I respect, I you know I read and I listen and I I watch and I observe and I think we can nav navigate these times. Yeah, um, I don't think we have to be victims of uh, what what we see unfold before our our eyes if we're aware, if we're informed, and we're empowered to do something about these things. So, um, so I don't I don't think it's hopeless. I think it's an exciting time to be alive because yeah. uh, we're in the midst of change and. Um, People might have felt despondent after the federal election in Australia by saying, oh, you know, nothing's changed. Well, it has. A lot has changed. And it's all part of the incremental phase of change and transitioning to a new system. And I can guarantee in five, ten years' time, the political system in Australia will be a very different political system that, than we see today. I mean, we have never had Labor or Liberal in government by default. Yeah, not, not because the people wanted it. It's there by default. It's because mm. that's how the system got it there. Yeah. Um, and and so people, I think, um, hopefully will wake up. You know, it's uh, as we've talked about. It's a guy on the mountain dancing, and the followers coming along, and it happens. It changes, and um, and that's that's what we're witnessing. Uh, it just takes a long time. In, in yeah, yeah. It takes a long time in our minds, but it, it's a very short period of time in history. You're, you're seeing those leaders too, the first to get up and dance are the, the Swedens and the Italys yep. and 
and all those who are saying, you know, piss off, we don't like you anymore. Yeah. We need some. We need some change. You know, and they're they're yeah. doing it. They're going against the grain, even even with the you know the 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 slander from the MSM, which you're going to get, but um, and they're doing but, it, and it's but, I can tell it scares the governments. Well, it's happening everywhere, and 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 you know maybe this is inappropriate, but even in Bill Gates' home, where his wife suddenly goes, you know what, I can't be in this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you know, and and part of that is the whole Jeffrey Epstein relationship and all these things. But that that's part of that's part of the collapse of the system. That's part of people calling it out, and part of um, what we are seeing change is that people people know there's something more, you know? Um, and I think, as I said, it probably wasn't on, on, on the podcast, but I, as I was unwell lying in hospital earlier this year, I wasn't thinking about the material things of life. I was thinking about family. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that's what people progressively do when, when all these things get stripped away, we think about the things that are important and what's important are the people we love around us, the communities that we have, the connections that we have and um, and how we can care for one another. And, yeah. and I'm not saying a future system doesn't become corrupt. They always do. But then we evolve into something new and greater. Yeah. And those things are hardwired into our brain. You know, we they are part of the fundamental part of, you know, being human. And no amount of propaganda is ever going to wash that out of our heads. So, no. you know, it's just, it's just uh, <laughs> inevitable that the system is going to reset. And, and my job is to influence that and, and make sure it's a, a reset that's that's good for everybody and particularly my kids. Yep. Yep. Mm. Definitely. All right. Well, the last the last topic of discussion for the evening, Peter, is uh, we go into the housing affordability crisis, which yeah. has been going for quite a few years. Uh, this is something I've been following for quite a while because, uh, you know, even when I was quite young, maybe early 20s, I could see that this was not a good idea. First home buyers grants um, and low interest rates means billions spent on housing affordability are making it worse, Productivity Commission says. Yeah, well, um They've got it wrong for a long time. Uh, there are countless examples, um, but you know, first homeowner grants normally get absorbed in price increases by builders, like within two or three minutes after they've been announced. Um, and so they don't necessarily benefit the people they're intended for. They make, they make the corporates wealthier. Um, and, uh, and as a consequence, housing prices don't change. I mean, it's just one example. Um, I'll give you another example, APRA, which is not the APRA that you might be thinking of, the medical board, but APRA, uh, the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority, Authority I think it is, um, that, that regulates the banks. Um, they, they were the ones that changed all the, um, the rules of lending, uh, interest-only lending in around 2014, 15, I can't remember when it was exactly. And um, they basically overnight cut investors out of the market. Now, what that actually did was that left a whole lot of property developers with sales to investors, with it, caught them with their pants down um, midway through projects. A lot of them went broke. A lot of them had to sell their projects. A lot of them had to 
um, uh, you know, do anything they could to survive because essentially it meant they were suddenly building massive projects and they had no buyers because the majority of people buying the projects was uh, foreign investors. Now, that, that's another discussion in itself. Um, you know, we, we bring in, uh, we, we're going to begin to build up to two, 300,000 people coming into Australia every year to live now, which is going to put more pressure on the housing market that dropped off a little bit during COVID. Um, but that's how Australia has grown um, perpetually is by our uh, immigration arrangements. So, so the problem with housing affordability, so what, what happens when there isn't enough supply of something, what happens? The price goes up. Is that true? I'm, yeah. Simple economics. If you can't get enough of something and everybody wants it, the people that are prepared to pay the most get it. Okay, so we don't need to be giving out grants and to increase demand. What we need to be doing is increasing supply. So what we need to do is think about our country in a visionary sense and say, well, maybe we need fast, a fast train system and we need to open up regional centres and we need to think about the different way that people work in modern society with technology. Mm. And maybe we need to think about opening up millions of hectares of new lands, which bring the overall price, affordable, you know, the affordability of housing uh, to a level that everybody can afford it. But government is damned if they do and damned if they don't. Because the people that vote for government, the majority of those people own a house. And the majority of those people are becoming millionaires because of the price growth in housing. And um, the, the people that buy first homes, the people that access first home growers, uh, homeowners grants are a minuscule percentage of the overall voting population. So governments have got to be seen to be doing something. But by God, they don't want to bring down the cost of housing because they'll never get elected again. Mm. Do you, yeah. you, you see the dilemma? So once again, we're not serving the best interests of the people. And we've lit, we're now living in this um, false economy where APRA can interfere in the market. And I tell you what the result was when APRA interfered and, and said you can't lend to investors and you can't do interest-only loans anymore. The, the people that suffered because of that were first home buyers because supply contracted. And there might have been a bit of a glut of apartments for a short while, but it got so quickly consumed. And here we are again at record highs of housing affordability. So, um, or record lows, I should say. So we need to increase supply, um, but there's not the will to do it because the government won't do it because it works against um, them getting reelected. Yeah. You know, people are very personal about these things. If you say to me, look, we think the government should open up 10 million hectares of land and build a fast rail service so that young people can afford a home. We were, that's fantastic. But it means that your house is going to drop in value by $250,000. That's terrible. Yeah. I'm not going to vote for them. I'm not going to vote for that because what we've, you know, they've, they've taken us down a pathway of, of, of no return. 
because who, who's going to who's going to fall on their sword first? People can't see the bigger picture, can they? They can't because they haven't been taught the bigger picture and they Mm. don't understand the bigger picture. And, you know, right now um, I'm struggling to keep my house, let alone lose value um, because someone needs to buy a house. And this isn't causing just a housing affordability crisis. This is causing an education crisis because people can't get into houses. People can't get a roof over their heads. So what's actually happening is um, they can't afford to rent, they can't afford to buy. And the way the public education system works is on where you live. So they can't get into schools. So this is um, once again, um, a collapse of society and, um, and it all contributes to the need for a reset. Yeah. It all comes back to the need for a reset. It all comes back to us having a situation where at the end of the day, the people um, will not be able to uh, afford a house and the government will not be able to create affordable housing because they'll lose government. The only way you you create affordable housing is you bring the, the value of housing down. So we, we're in this dilemma with all this stuff because we've set an expectation, particularly over the last 30, 30 years. Um, you know, I, I remember doing projects in, um, in the late 80s, early 90s with the ANZ Bank lending me money on a property development at 22% per annum. So it's not really the cost of interest. It's actually the access to housing and and wages growth and you know all those dimensions but also what's happened here is i'll give you this example i bought a car in 2019 and i went to look at a replacement for that vehicle and the cost of that vehicle in real terms had gone up 38 percent 38 percent in uh, from two thousand late two thousand and nineteen to where are we now? Um, you know, getting late two thousand and twenty two. In three years, thirty eight percent the cost of that vehicle had grown. Um, and this is what happens when you kill your economy. This is what happens when you when you send all your jobs offshore. This is what happens when you don't make anything. Um, and so you know the cost of living, inflation, all of these things. We're price takers in this country and we've got no means of production. Uh, well, certainly to the level that we used to have. So there's, you know, there's, this, um, there, there's this mixture of issues. Housing affordability is a big issue, but it will never be repaired. It'll never be repaired because politically it's not possible to repair it if you want to yeah. retain government. Well, that's, that tells you a lot about government, doesn't it? That they're, they're more interested in holding power than governing. Absolutely. Benefit yeah. of the people. Is it for the benefit of the government? Benefit of the people. What's, what's for the benefit of the people is that they open up millions and millions of hectares of government-owned land, which they have, um, across you know, corridors and building infrastructure, fast infrastructure, um, that reduces the cost of housing. Um, and you've got to increase supply and you can't let corporations um, profiteer um, to the level that they currently are. 
it's okay for a company to make a profit, but what they're doing is exploiting people now. Yeah. yeah. And government, the government are the drivers of that because the government, governments are the ones that control the release of land. Definitely. So I think the the overall sort of theme of our chat today, Peter, is we need a reset. Oh, d definitely. You know, there's so much lack of evidence in decisions that are made. Um, they they want to um, breach our privacy. Um, they want to push drugs on our kids, um, and I don't mean kids, babies. Um, they 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 want to, um, you know, they they don't want us to afford a home. Um, but they've got to look as though they want us to afford a home. You know, there, there's all these problems that are now um, compounding um, that and we're printing money uh, or were printing money in a, in a fashion that was unsustainable. Um, all of these things are just part of the mixing pot, which is going to cause the people to say, I've had enough. Yeah. You know, at what point do people say, not being able to get a shelter over my head or my family's head is unacceptable in this country, the richest country in the world. Yeah. We've got, we, we're the biggest exporter of gas over um, um, in the world and people can't afford to heat their homes. Come on. What's going on? Yeah. Where's it all going? We you know, even where we are right now, there's, you know, coals at one end of town are 13 cents more expensive for diesel per litre than Woolworths at the other end of town. You know, that's not competition. Um, there's, there's, people just don't know how these things are driven. And, um, and, and, you know, there's a story behind fuel, which we've talked about before. Yeah. You know, the, the government have, um, have, you know, we're reliant on overseas fuel. So we're price takers once again. So this just keeps going on and on. And the inputs of housing, everything else is just going up and up and up. And so that becomes unsustainable. But if there is a real will to fix this problem, the government can do it by increasing supply. It's not complex. Yeah, well, they won't because of the four-year system. So, um... Well, and they won't because the big end of town, um, the wealthy property owners, um, and, you know, we own property. I, I don't want my property assets to devalue. Um, and I guess, how do you manage it? So you say to me and you, well, we need to devalue our property assets, but we need to do it together. And um, I go, yeah, okay, but will he? Yeah, you go first. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> and, um, and, and whoever does it to you is, is going to lose the election. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well, um. Look, I think we'll wrap it up there tonight, Peter. Um, been a great conversation today. Like I've, I've learned a lot about property development and and about about the actual pricing of houses, which has been really really interesting. Um, but yeah, look, I, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm, this is just my opinion, of course. But but you know, it's we never fix these problems, do we? No, we never we never do fix them. But it's it's really good to hear someone talk about these issues that actually knows what they're talking about, rather than just you know reading a few things in the newspaper about it. Yeah, well, you know, I'm old, so I get this life experiencing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think at the end of the day, you just got to say, um, 
you know, the system's not working for the people anymore. And uh, the people are waking up to that and the reset's coming. And um, it's not the reset a lot of people think it is. A lot of people think it's a, a global reset in favour of the elite. I can tell you now, the people are progressively waking up. Yeah, well, they're, cert- they're certainly pushing for it. And you know what they say, you'll, you'll earn nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah. So I don't think yeah. it's going to go that way. Watch this um, space. <laughs> I don't think people are going to be happy if they own nothing because who owns it in the end, you know? Yeah. Who are you renting it off? And people also aren't people, stupid. People are just questioning how they live their lives, yeah. you know? Um, okay, I, I get married. I have kids. I have I, I can afford two and a half kids. Um, and bang 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 and so people are people are saying is that the way i want to live my life um and and um and so what what we want to do at stand up is empower people to live a full life um you know you you can generate wealth outside the system um but you want to you want to lead a wealthy life in all elements of life yeah. Um, so what we want to do is bring great people that are experts in each of those areas so that we can build this framework around ourselves to make sure we maximize our own personal potential in life and, um, and, and become part of the solution rather than have fear and be part of the problem. Because you, you can't afford a home, by the way, um, even if the housing affordability crisis tells you you can't. There are lots of ways. Um, to do things but um, but we're told this in the popular media um, because they're selling a narrative that suits the politicians not it's not for the benefit of the people yeah it's just education isn't it yeah yeah well if you want to if you want to be educated um, get over to standupnowaustralia.com.au we've got a great new website going there uh, we've got some live events which are coming along soon, which you can grab a ticket to. And we've got a bunch of information on there too, just to, about how to improve your life and just connect with other people. And as Peter said, um, there is the new, what, what did you, what, what's it called again, Peter, where we're going to be sort of activating people to sort of talk with each other and, and connect with each other? So we, we, we're going to progressively start uh, community action networks um, in, in local communities. So home groups will meet probably with a minimum of 10 15 people and begin to work out how they can reach out to their communities and find out what's important to them now glyphosate's a big issue for example um councils are poisoning our kids by using roundup glyphosate to kill the weeds in our parks so the council's got to stop doing that there are other alternatives um and they're poisoning our kids so that's one of the things that we will run very aggressively at across the country. Um, because what we learned during the pandemic is that so many groups came together and said, I'm going to lobby local government. I'm going to lobby state government. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And there are now all these capabilities for us to activate on a whole range of issues. So we've got to fight for our kids. We've got to fight for the fact yeah. that we shouldn't be spraying glyphosate everywhere in our in our council communities. It's not safe for kids to lie on the grass. Yeah. It's not safe for kids to do roly-polies. My kids are doing roly-polies um, where we are yesterday, and um, I'm looking at it and going, I wonder if it's been spr- sprayed with glyphosate. Mm. You know, And that's how kids get chronic illnesses. And glyphosate, Roundup, if you look at the history um, and, and 
um, you know, the history's not good. It came, it came from World War II. Yeah, well, it came man, from man. Germany. That's what they use in concentration camps. Yeah, Zyklon B. They they recycled it to be a commercial pest killer. Um, so you know you don't want your kids rolling around in this stuff. So th- these are the things to stand up for. These are the things where we can bring change and tell councils, well, we're not going to pay our rates if you use glyphosate. Yeah. Um, that that actually could be a good slogan. Use glyphosate, we won't give you any rate. Forget <laughs> it. You might you might want to cut that bit. <laughs> we'll work on that one, eh? Yeah, work on that line. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying. It's yeah. like there's and there'll be a million and one issues like this. So um, you know, the Reserve Bank governor telling all Australians that they're not going to lift rates and uh, people increase their mortgages and do all those things, and then suddenly increases the rates because it's inflation's getting away. We all know inflation's not at six percent. Inflation is is 40 percent in many cases, as yeah. I said with a new car. You know, we know it's it's actually run away from us. You know, there there there's nonsense like put your money in the bank for 005 percent interest when inflation's running at six percent. Put your money in the bank and you're losing money. You'll lose money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so we've got to start becoming you... creators. Definitely. Even when you look at property prices, like before we were saying, you know, you say you're, you're, you might be sitting there going, oh, wow, my house has increased 10% this year. Has it really? Or is your, <laughs> has, has the dollar dropped? You know, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, there's, it's, there's lots of arguments around that, isn't it? I mean, yeah. when you print money, you reduce wealth. So, so what did they think I, was going to happen? I, I, I think that stand up's got a big role to play in um, activating communities to fight for things that are important to communities. Um, yep. And hopefully, you know, at the right moment, we'll, we'll, that'll flow into um, pol- a political solution. It Maybe it won't. Maybe we're just part of a movement of, um, of groups that are going to bring about change. Um, and, uh, and we're privileged to be here. But what we're about is helping everyday people navigate um, what's going to become a very, and is already a very vol- volatile period in history. Um, where we are going to see massive change. And so we want to be ahead of the curve on that. We want to, we want, to want people that are involved here to be able to take advantage of that situation and help other people take advantage of it as well. Yeah, and we would love if you could be involved, uh, anybody listen to the podcast in Stand Up Australia. You don't have to do anything. All you need to do is just jump on the website and share it with someone you know. Um, you can buy some merchandise if you like, or you can make a make a um, well needed donation, so we can continue to do what we're doing. But it's at standupnowaustralia.com.au. Um, uh, keep an eye on that site. We will have, be having some live events shortly, some webinars um, with some interesting people. Uh, you might learn something you didn't know before. But please uh, share it with your friends and join us again next week. Sorry about we weren't here last week, but uh, time got away from us but we will endeavor to be here next week and every week afterwards. So thank you once again, Peter, for uh, tonight or today. And um, yeah, we'll speak to you again in a few weeks. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, mate.